Thank you for tuning in to our Restoration Life podcast. Don't forget to rate and review the message and share it out with your friends on social media. Can't wait for you to listen in next week. <laughs> oh, just let's remain standing real quick. Just, I know up and down, up and down, we like Catholic church right now. Uh, <laughs> but if you listen to the report that you just heard, this is a reason to give God praise. And the thing is, when you grow up in your faith in this kind of environment, it's easy to like look around and go, oh, okay, that's cool. This is a miracle of God, amen. So can you give God a shout of praise right now, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, our Savior, our provider, our shelter, our comfort. God, we say thank you for our church restoration life. Thank you for the blessings. Thank you for the souls that have been saved. Thank you for the lives that have been restored. Thank you for those who have been healed, those who have been redeemed, those who have been transformed by your mighty power. Thank you, Lord. Father, right now, we just give you all the praise. We lift up your heavenly name. We know that we are in the midst of your mighty miracle. Just two years ago, this building was empty, and we didn't know where we were going, if we would ever be able to gather again and to fellowship again and to praise in the same way. But here we are two years later, thriving like we've never thrived before, growing in our faith like we've never grown before. This report is a testimony of maturity of the hearts that have grown in submission to you as Lord and Savior. We thank you for your presence today. Father, right now I lift up our pastors to you. You know that both of them had a, a tough week dealing with some physical uh, ailments. So Father, we pray over them right now. Father, we pray over this time that your word speaks to our hearts and our souls. Continue to restore our mind, allow us to be transformed by the renewing of the Holy Spirit within us. We give you all the honor and all the praise and all of God's people said, amen. Come on, give God a shout of praise in this place. Hallelujah. Everyone say, Jesus is king. Say, Jesus is king. Now give him a shout of praise. Go ahead and take your seats this morning. Thank you, man, we're all good. Yeah, yeah. I, I wasn't supposed to do another one. God hit me with the DJ Khaled, he was like, another one. <laughs> you ain't done yet. Um, I'm honored to be here today, and because I'm honored to be able to preach on this topic because I love this language. I love saying Jesus is king. I love saying that I serve the king of kings. This is an amazing thing to just be able to proclaim in my life. So I'm honored I get an opportunity to be able to minister today. And while I got time, I got about 30 minutes or so, so I gotta move a little bit quick. But that, we had to make time for that report. And again, that's something just to be able to like, wow, look at God. Look at God, I mean, me and my wife, we came here in 2012, and I remember when this was like carpet, yeah. The whole place is brown. This did not exist. This is not a thing. You know, we had light coming in through the window still. You know, with the, it was just different, completely different. But what's the best thing about it is a lot of you guys weren't here, and now you are. 
and this is what makes up the church. All the cosmetic stuff is great, but I love our church right now. I love the people who are here right now, and I'm going to miss you guys dearly, and I can't wait to see you guys again when you come visit Atlanta. I can't wait till like, we are at a place where we can just fly people back and forth. We're going to be there. I'm believing for it, and we're going to grow the churches on both coasts. Amen? So last week, Pastor Eddie began this series by first helping us establish an understanding of the monarchy in which we exist in as followers of Christ. We serve the king and are citizens of the kingdom. It is not the same as being a citizen of America. I love our nation. I think it's an amazing nation. Yeah, we got our problems. But I love this nation and it is awesome, but it is nothing in comparison to being a citizen of the kingdom. And we have to be able to transition our thinking from being a citizen of America to being a citizen of the kingdom. Because in America, we we are governed by a constitution. That constitution gives you what they call unalienable rights. You get some freedoms, we adhere to certain laws, we get to vote for these laws, and we get to vote for those who govern above us. In the kingdom, it is not the same way. You don't get to vote on the commandments. You're like, God, I like this one, I don't like two through four, so I'm gonna omit those ones. You get to vote on elected officials, on the governors, on the senators, you get to vote on the president. You don't get to vote God out. You don't get to go vote Jesus your king on Monday and Saturday, but everything else is mine. That's not how it works in the kingdom. And we have to be able to transition our thinking because a lot of us, we exist in the kingdom, but still with the thinking of a citizen of America. I tell people all the time, I am Christian before I am anything else. I am Christian before I am a black man. I am Christian before I'm an American. I'm a Christian before I'm a husband. I'm a Christian before I'm a father. I'm a Christian before everything. I am a citizen of the kingdom. I am a servant of the kingdom. That has to become your thinking as it had to become mine. The kingdom has an established ruler. Whether you believe it or you don't, it doesn't matter. That's the power of the kingdom. The ruler is Jesus. He is the King of kings, and he is the Lord of lords. The Bible says this in Philippians chapter 2, verses 10 and 11. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. Not just the Jewish knees, not just the Gentile knees. It says every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and underneath the earth. Jesus' dominion is established throughout eternity in heaven, on earth, and underneath the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. It doesn't matter if you're a believer or a non-believer. Jesus is King. And so today, I want to talk about our responsibilities as citizens of the kingdom. Because we can grasp the idea that Jesus is king and fall into a position where we're not active as citizens underneath the authority of the king. 
It's very much like we're American, but you don't uphold all the responsibilities of being an American citizen. For example, you're American, but you don't vote. That's the responsibility of an American citizen, believe it or not. People get mad, they're like, you didn't vote? Oh my God. And I used to like, what's the problem? I just didn't want to vote. But you don't understand, in other nations, you don't get that kind of freedom, right? In America, we're supposed to go to jury duty. Some of y'all got some trash cans that's full of your jury duty notices. That's a responsibility, right? In America, if you're a male, over the age of 18, you have to register for the selective service. For those of you guys who don't know what the selective service is, that means if America were to go to a war great enough that required a draft, your name is registered to be drafted. Those are responsibilities as an American citizen. There are responsibilities that we have as being citizens within the kingdom. And sometimes we can begin to live our life just happy to live in the blessing and the grace of God and not live underneath the responsibility that's been assigned to us. And it's important that we grasp this. It's important that we're like, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm not, I can't just walk around scot-free. There's, there's got to be a little bit more to my life than me just enjoying the blessings. There is, and there's a charge upon our lives. So today, I wanna talk about our responsibilities as citizens and how we can grow and mature as citizens. And some of this is gonna be very foundational, but I believe it's important for us to establish a strong foundation. That way you can build a true testimony as a follower of Christ. Would you say amen? So here's the first thing we have to do. To be a responsible citizen of the kingdom, the very first thing you have to do is transform your thinking. Very simple. Or is it? We have to transform our thinking. The Bible says in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, that I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Right there, automatically, there's a change that has to happen. That word, what do you mean sacrifice? That word sacrifice means I'm giving up my life for a new life. The way that I once lived, the priorities I once had are now secondary. I'm laying this old life down and now I'm putting on this new life. It says holy and acceptable. Because what do we know about God? We cannot bring things before God that are unholy and unclean. Now, when we come to God, of course, we are accepted by God through the blood of Jesus that covers our sins, yes? So it's through the covering of the blood that we are made holy. But there's an expectation on our lives to begin to live under righteousness, so when I'm living sacrificially, I'm choosing to put away my old ways, which were unholy, and now begin living this holy life, which is acceptable to God. This is your true and spiritual worship, a responsibility that you have to worship in spirit and in truth. The true way you worship is to live sacrificially. Verse two, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God. So when we read these scriptures, we see this isn't behavior modification. 
This isn't act this way on Sunday or when you're at church meetings or when you're at life group. It is saying your old life is done. You don't live that way anymore. That's not who you are anymore. You are a whole new being. And as a whole new being, you need to think with a whole new mind. You cannot see the world the way you once saw the world. You can't look at people how you once looked at people. I prefer this person and not this person. I prefer uh, being American to anybody else. We're the best, we're everything. You gotta have a whole new mind. Your mind has to be above anything petty that this world has to offer. So how do we do that? How do we even begin that? Transform my mind. How do I transform my mind? Transform what you consume. See, that's what begin, needs to change first, is that we don't realize how much is dwelling in our mind that is not of God. Prior to being saved, every single one of us, you're full of knowledge from the world, from a world perspective. Your opinions, your ideas, your biases, all of those come from different worldly views. Some secular, some profane, but not of God. Why, how could you know of God until you're in relationship of God? And so this is something that has to transform. When I listen to music, there should be a difference on what I hear now. Because I remember before being unsaved, I could put on anything, anything. Tupac, Biggie, Lil John, 50, Eminem. I could put on rock music, this, that, and the other. And now when I hear music, not that it's just terrible, but but you ever hear something like it just, it grieves your soul almost? You're like, that just makes me feel disgusting inside. You ever watch videos and you're like, that's just, it's too much. See, before my brain didn't used to think that way. That's not how my mind comprehended. If I liked it, I embraced it. I enjoyed it. But now, as a new citizen within the kingdom, I have a new mind. So I don't wanna consume things that are gonna affect my thinking anymore. And sometimes we're not mindful of what we're consuming. As you're existing in this world, your brain is soaking things up as a sponge, whether you intend to do it or not. So even the environments that you find yourself in, your toxic friends that you refuse to let go of, the ones that you refuse to get away from, that's affecting your mind and your thinking. I know some of you guys, well, I don't listen to that kind of music anymore, Pastor Max. I don't watch those kind of movies. I watch Christian stuff. But your people that you surround yourself with are toxic people. They're always negative, depressing, gossipers. Some of y'all kick it with gossipers on the regular. And you think that your mind is being transformed, but you love, oh, did you hear about so-and-so? Let me talk to you, girl. And it ain't even the women anymore. Guys, you're doing it too. Because y'all in your game headsets talking about everybody and everything. You, you're more focused on your sports talks or you're more focused on my business talks and all this stuff. Again, it's not just the things that are profane. We know the things that are profane, like pornography, like vulgarity, evilness. We know those things. We tend to find ourselves getting caught up, though, being so obsessed with the incessant feeling of things that are secular. I'm about my business, I gotta make this money, I gotta hustle. I'm about my knowledge, I'm trying to be the smartest, I'm trying to be the best looking, I'm trying to get this and that. Like people can tell me 
so much about real estate and they've never taken one real estate class in their life, right? People can tell me about business. People can tell me about movies and so much stuff. But when you ask them about the word of God, it's like a blank. That's why people get freaked out. We're like, hey, can you pray for the service? Because you haven't filled your mind with things that are of God. So therefore, if I'm not full of things of God, there's nothing of God that can come out. So I need to be transformed first by the renewing of my mind. You have to prioritize God in your life. The Bible says the word of God is our daily bread. That means you're supposed to be consuming the word of God daily, on the regular. This should be part of your normal spiritual diet. I should be praying to God daily. This should be my normal communication. I should be worshiping God daily. This is my normal way of living sacrificially. And I cannot begin to do that unless I begin to change my mind and be transformed from the inside out. It cannot happen on a part-time basis. I have to live with a transformed mind. It's not like the cartoon where you transform on Sunday and you can change back on Monday. No, it's not like that. You are not an Autobot. Once you are transformed, you are a new creation under God. Many Christians still live with the worldview, believing that if I'm good enough, I get to get into heaven. That's a worldview. I've had many people ask that question to me, and even for a time, I believe that if I'm good enough, then I'll be able to enter into the kingdom of God. That's a worldview. That means my mind needs to be transformed because if my mind was transformed by the word of God, I would know that only by the covering and grace of God could I be accepted into the kingdom of heaven and it's not by my good works, but by his mercy and by his grace. That is a transformed mind. His grace and his mercy is what sets me apart. But I got news for you. It's not the end of the world. God knows that we're ignorant. He says it even in his word. In Acts chapter three, verses 17 and 19, he says, and now brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did also your rulers. But what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets that his Christ was suffered, he thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and turn back that your sins may be blotted out. So today, you're like, man, I've been messing up. It's okay, you didn't know. But now you know, so turn and go the other direction. So now it's what do you do from this point? So you just received this information, I need to live transformed. I need to renew my mind. This is where the responsibility of being a citizen of the kingdom now falls on you. What you do from this day forward determines whether or not you are maturing as a citizen of the kingdom. Because you can't come back in here next week like I ain't know. Yes you did. You were taught, and now that I know, I have a responsibility to now live different. And the way that I begin to live different is my second point, again, very simple point, obey the king. Ooh, I don't like that word, the O word, Ooh. Obey, obey, obedience, be obedient to the king. I love that the Bible compares disciples to soldiers. It's language that I can understand. I speak soldier and military very well. And so when I see those things in the word, I'm like, yes, I get it. It makes sense. But also it was like, yo, wait a minute. Hold up. If I got to be like a soldier, 
That means I have to be completely obedient. See, because this is what people don't know within the military. So long as an order is lawful, you follow it. As so long as an order given to you by your commanding officers or non-commissioned officers appointed over you, you follow it without question. It's not a matter of, well, I don't really like that one. You know, I don't, I don't really feel like, like attacking the enemy right now today, Sergeant. I don't really feel like marching, Commander. It's without question. It is, yes, sir, right away, sir, honest, sir, roger, sir, and you move out and you execute without question. And the Bible says, this is how I expect you to be. When I give you a command, I expect you to follow it without question. Here's the conflict that we have when it comes to obedience. There's this weird expectations that a lot of Christians have where you think that your obedience means your happiness. That when I'm called and told to do something by God, or if I'm going to follow his commands, the outcome of being obedient is my happiness. And that's just not the case. Your happiness is not God's priority. I got to break that to you. I, got, I have to break this to you. When God tells you to do something, you are not always going to be happy about it. That is a myth. That is a myth. He's going to tell you to do some things. You're going to be like, for real? Why? That's what your inside is going to do. And this is the battle between your flesh and your spirit now. But the thing is, you cannot claim that you love God and that you're a citizen of the kingdom and not obey God. The Bible says this in John 14, 15, and 17. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. So how could I be in here proclaim Jesus is Lord, Jesus is King, and choose not to be obedient to his commandments? And a lot of times we're walking around feeling empty and feeling helpless, but we're not living in obedience. Do you understand that when you live in obedience, that releases the power of the Holy Spirit? Watch this, the next verse, it says this. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And then Jesus says, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. As a citizen of the kingdom, when I'm obedient to God, he releases the power of the Holy Spirit that fortifies me, sustains me, empowers me, equips me to be able to continue to live this new life, which is my true testimony to God. Your testimony is not just that, that one moment that happened in your life where it's a but God moment. That's not your testimony. I know we see that in church a lot. and We hear that when someone says, hey, what's your testimony? We tell them this 45-minute story of how, how we were in the strip clubs and how we were turning up and how we were wilding out. And then it'll be like, but God did this. And then now everything's good. And that's the testimony. Your true testimony is your life in action showing your obedience to the word of God. That is your testimony. That is how people will come to know, oh, they different. They different. You ever been at a party where everybody's getting like tore up and you the one that's sober? And you just chill and nice, like people just look at you all like, what's wrong with you? 
What's wrong with you? It's funny, like, we will look at people like, you're not drinking the poison? Everybody's drinking the poison and having fun. You're not drinking the poison. And I got nothing against drinking whatsoever. But what I'm saying is there's something about us that is different. When everybody's anxious and angry and upset, you're the one that's calm and living in peace. When everybody's biting on this new trend and getting upright and all this mannerism and behavior that we know is not of God, we're the ones who stand firm. That is your testimony because if people see that, they're like, there's something different about them. I, I don't serve my church just because it makes me happy. I do it because I'm serving the king. I, I don't give my tithe because it makes me happy. I do it because I serve the king. I don't pray for my enemies because it makes me happy. I don't pray for those who wrong me and forgive those who treated me harshly. I do that because I'm serving the king. My obedience is not contingent on my happiness. My obedience is contingent on a father who loved me and set me free. Because he already did that for me, I lay my life down to him, saying my life is yours because you gave me this life throughout all eternity. So however you want to use it, use it. Believe me, I woke up this morning here in the rain just like you guys. I was like, ooh, that sounds so soothing. That's so nice. I'm like, I'm snuggled in, I'm like wrapped up. That alarm goes off, and I'm like, As the worship team could just sing like five more songs. They'd be all right. But I'm obedient to the word of God. I'm a human being like everybody else. There's times where I'm like trying to get my food at Jack in the Box, and somebody's going through something, and the Holy Spirit's like, pray for them. I'm like, now? I'm just trying, I'm just, just trying to get this spicy jumbo. Hey. It's not about my happiness. You cannot relegate your obedience to the things that make you happy. Otherwise, you'll never be obedient. And the thing is, you cannot proclaim that you love God and refuse to be obedient. The Bible says this in 1 John chapter 2, verses 2 through 6. He says, he is the proportion for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the world. And by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar. Had to say it with some influx. Liar. And the truth is not in him, but whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. That's what it is to be a citizen. It's not about how many numbers you rack up in church attendance, how many prayer meetings you go to, how many worship songs are on your Spotify playlists. It is about how you walk that reflects Christ Jesus. And the way that we walk is the same way Jesus walked, which is that we walk by faith. My third point. One of the first things my grandmother ever taught me is to walk by faith, which was like the craziest thing. Because she always said it in the scripture context. You walk by faith and not by sight. So, of course, as a kid, you're like, this is dangerous, grandma. This is dangerous. But what I didn't know at that time, she was depositing wisdom. Because that's just how God works, right? He knows where he's taking you. 
He knows the journey and he, he can help you feel things that are around you without worrying about it. He'll take you to the edge, but he'll never let you fall off. The reason why you have to walk by faith is because if God told you the full plan, you wouldn't do it. That's the truth. If he told you every detail of what was gonna happen through your faithful obedience, you'd be like, no way. You're like, okay, what's, here's what's gonna happen. You're gonna, you're gonna come, you're gonna be impacted by me. There's gonna be a change in your heart and it's gonna be amazing. That day is gonna be amazing. It's gonna feel great. It's gonna be beautiful. It's gonna be awesome. And you're gonna be like, I love you, God. I'm like, I love you too. And then the next day is gonna be horrible, absolutely horrible. People are gonna be coming after you. You're gonna be trying to fight your temptation. About a month from then, certain friends are gonna cut you off. You're not gonna be invited to the hangout anymore. You're not gonna be invited to the club no more. You're not gonna be able to kick it with people that, that were your closest people. They're gonna start talking about you. But you're gonna keep going strong. Even though you're gonna feel a little bit bad, you're gonna keep going strong. And then you're gonna grow. You're gonna, you're gonna go through DNA. Right? And then you're going to get involved in ministry, and that's going to be tough. Because then you have to get up, and your whole schedule is about to change. Because, you know, Restoration Life is a growing church and a busy church and a church that makes impact in this world, and that's the church that you're a part of. So you're going to have to serve if you want to grow. And then you're going to start to do that, but then you're going to get tired. You know, why am I here at 7 o'clock in the morning on a Sunday? It's cold. It's wet. Why am I here to decorate the church? I didn't even decorate my house yet. Why, why am I here for, for the radiant nights and I'm just an usher, I don't, I don't need to be here, I'm standing, my feet hurt, my back hurt. All these thoughts are gonna go through your head. And then what's gonna happen, somebody in church is gonna betray you. And then when you call the pastor one time, they're not gonna pick up the phone. And then you're gonna have a death in your family and then your, your kids aren't gonna listen to you and then this happens and this happens and this happens. But when you die, you'll be back with me. How many of you guys now begin to, to do that? Wait a minute, my life is gonna be full of traumas and hurts and ups and downs and all these pains. Well, why did I get saved? Because I'm not worried about your physical life. That's temporary. I'm worried about you in eternity. That's why you gotta walk by faith because God knows if he told you the whole plan, you wouldn't do it. Because we're so short-sighted when it comes to the things of God. We expect the return on investment now. That's why we won't give our tithes because we expect to see something now. I gave $100, I expect 1000 back. <laughs> That's just how I think. I prayed that one time in church, how come it didn't happen? God ain't real. You know, it's crazy right now, as, as me and my wife and family, we're, we're preparing for this transition, and it makes no sense to any of my friends that, that aren't church people. When they heard about me going to Georgia, and they're like, oh, I saw you were going to Georgia. You posted on your IG, what's, what's that about? Like, oh yeah, we're going out there to start a church. So you got family out there right now. So you know people out there, right? Not really. So you got like a house and everything, not yet. I mean, we just got it, but not yet. So what are you doing if God told me to? That's it, that's it. And it sounds crazy, because it is. From a human perspective, it is crazy. But through the lens of God, I know that he already ordered my step and that the plan is complete. That whatever's waiting in Atlanta is already done. The people are already there. The blessing is already there. 
my only thing is to follow him. No matter if the church gets 10 people or a thousand people, my obedience is not based on that, it's hearing his voice and listening to it. We have to stop allowing fear to push us away from the voice of God. We, we have to get out of this, this thinking where I, I gotta know God, I gotta know, you can't know because your thoughts aren't his thoughts. And he's trying to prevent you from quitting. He's just gonna give you one step at a time, take this step. I promise you it's going to work out, take this step. Walk by faith. I gotta, I gotta keep moving because I wanna get all of this out. Obedience doesn't have to make sense for you to be faithful. You don't have to see the complete picture in order to be faithful. So the third one is to walk by faith. Number four, your responsibility as a citizen is to make disciples. Everybody. I want you to hear this. Every single one of you in this room, as a citizen of the kingdom, has a responsibility to go and make disciples. This is the great commission. Go and make disciples. That wasn't just given to, to, to the main disciples. It was for every single one of us who become followers of Christ is to raise up more followers of Christ. I love this story at the end of John. There's a man by the name of Peter. Peter, Peter was supposed to be the guy on which the rock was built on. Meaning, God, Jesus told Peter, I am building my church through you. Now, if you remember the story about Peter, Peter denied Christ three times before Jesus was crucified. And after Jesus was crucified and buried, Peter went back to what he knew how to do. He went back to fishing. He felt so much shame and so much guilt that he could not even be around the people that he loved. And as Peter was fishing one day, Jesus is out there and he calls him. And Peter has to choose to be obedient to Jesus all over again. Because I, I love, if you know the Bible, it's so funny, but it's also amazing. Because if you know, Jesus was a carpenter. Peter was a fisherman. Peter caught no fish that morning. And Jesus said, throw your nets on the other side. So now you gotta be faithful you got to walk in faith and you got to be obedient. He casts his net to the other side and he pulls in over a hundred fish. And then Jesus sits with Peter and he asks him, do you love me? He's like, yes, I do love you. He's like, feed my sheep. Then he asks him again, Peter, do you love me? Like, yes, tend my sheep. Peter, do you love me? And Peter, like, he just felt that guilt and that shame in his heart. And Jesus had to remind him, the, the promise on your life is irrevocable. The call on your life is irrevocable. Feed my sheep, Peter. Meaning this is a repetitive process that you're going to go through. You're going to feed the sheep, you're going to look after the sheep, and then you're going to feed some more sheep. And even though Peter denied Christ, the call on his life had not changed. Some of you guys in here, you think the call on your life has changed because you failed. But the call has not changed. Every single one of us is called to go and make disciples. That is how you serve the king. You don't have to be a pastor or a life group leader or a ministry leader or an evangelist or a prophet or, or a priest or any of that stuff to go and make disciples. 
Fathers, your sons, your daughters are your disciples. Mothers, your daughters, your sons, they're your disciples. Your nieces, your nephews, your co-workers, your friends, they're disciples all around you. The harvest is ready for it. It's a matter as to whether or not you see yourself truly as a citizen of the kingdom of Jesus. I look at our church and I remember at the, when we first came back in 2020 and we had to spread out six feet apart and skip every row. Y'all forgot, that was not that long ago. I'm like, man, are we ever gonna make it back? People aren't answering the phone who were close disciples. People we raised up, they're gone. Like, I'm, I'm done, I can't, I can't do this. And here we are, two years later, bigger and stronger than we've ever been. But it's because of the discipleship that goes on at Restoration Life. Not just through the pastors, but through each and every person catching the vision and understanding that this is our mission, to raise up fully devoted followers of God. Those are disciples, and it starts in your home. Parents, when you walk by faith, your kids will begin to walk by faith. Parents, parents, when you're obedient to the word, your kids will be obedient to the word. Parents, when you're immersed in your word, when you're immersed in your prayer life, when you're immersed in your worship, your children will do what you do. You don't have to send them to a Bible class for them to learn the word if they learn it through you. But you have to first lay your life down as a sacrifice and you have to honor God above all in your own home. Last thing is that point exactly. Honor the king. Honor the king. And because it's Christmas, I want to use this story. I gotta do it off memory because they took my notes away. But <laughs> I'm like, I still got one more. <laughs> so here's the thing. Everybody's heard of the three wise men, right? Even if you've never been to church before because you watched anything on CBS before with Christmas, you've seen the three wise men. These wise men are known as the Magi. And I love this story because if you read it, you'll, you'll start to laugh because the, the Magi come before King Herod. They come before King Herod. They bring gifts, paying homage. And I love that they arrive before King Herod. They say, we're here for the king. Can I imagine King Herod like, oh snap, what you bring me? Not you. We're not here for you. Because can you think about how bold that is? That you arrive to another king, a worldly king, and you bring gifts, but the gifts are not for that king, but for the true king, the king of kings, and the Lord of lords. And you tell him, we're looking for him. We're not looking for you, Herod. We're here for the real king. And king, oh, 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 I didn't, I didn't know. But in King's Herod, I'm going to kill this dude. I'm going to kill this dude. Look at all this gold. Look at all this myrrh and all this freaking. That ain't for me. I'm going to kill him. But I'm going to lie. So he tells the Magi, when you find him, report back to me. The Magi go. They find Jesus. They present him with the gifts. They pay homage to him. And what do the Magi do after that? They go home. They don't go back to the worldly king and tell him where Jesus is. They complete the mission that God had assigned to them because they honor the king of kings before any institution that the man has established. King Herod has no power. They're submitted to the king of kings. Families, you have to proclaim King Jesus in your home on a regular basis, raising up your families to know who the true king is. 
that they are submitted to the gracious king, the only king willing to lay his life down, be tortured, beaten, and bruised on our behalf. That is the king that we are submitted to. That's my king. My king loves me, inherited me, empowered me, equipped me, and restored my life to a brand new status. That's the king we serve. Will you choose this day to be transformed by the renewing of your mind? Will you choose this day that you will obey the word of God? Will you choose this day that you will begin to walk by faith and not by sight? Will you choose this day that you will honor the king above all in your house? Will you choose this day that you will go and make disciples? Will everybody stand to your feet? Everybody stand to your feet. We may have prayed this prayer in a sense of salvation, but I want to pray a prayer that we accept Christ as King Jesus. Can we do that together, church? So will you stretch your hands to heaven, giving praise to the King, hailing the King, Jesus, repeat after me, Jesus, today I accept you as Savior and King, King of my life and King over my family. Come into my life, empower me, equip me to serve your will above all other wills. Today, I surrender to serve you and you alone. I give you my life in Jesus' name, amen. Come on, give God a shout of praise. Hallelujah, say Jesus is king say jesus is king come on If you accepted the Lord uh, into your life, we have a couple things that we'd love for you to do. You can scan this QR code. Um, it's gonna give you some uh, material, some resources for you to stay connected because your family 
And we have a community that wants to love on you and help you walk through this life with Jesus. So scan that QR code. Don't forget to stop by the VIP uh, team. Grab the, the gift that we have for you and just stay involved, stay connected, stay in community with one another. Thank you guys so much for coming. Drive safe. Have a great Sunday. Enjoy the rest of your day.